You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Chapter 17, The Reader's Corner, Part 1. Likes the Corner. Dear Editor, This month's issue, May, has the best collection of letters you've ever published. All it lacked was a letter from Bernard J. Kenton, that master of epistles and super science stories. One of your readers would like to have the reader's corner omitted. For heaven's sake, don't take it out. I recognize it as one of the best features of our mag, and whenever I open the covers, turn to it directly after having glimpsed the table of contents and the announcement of the stories to appear in the forthcoming issue. Mr. Joseph R. Barnes, whose letter I enjoyed immensely, incidentally, will be interested in knowing that The Mascot Deep is already in book form, and that The Disintegration Machine and When the World Screamed, all by the same author, are under the same covers. He will also be interested in learning that Ray Cummings' fine story, Sea Girl, is also between hardcovers. The idea of putting out a quarterly is a dandy. The other science fiction quarterlies are mere textbooks. There are occasionally, of course, a few exceptions. The thought of the sort of fantastic action stories Astounding Stories publishes, put together in a magazine doubly thick, is a pleasing one to contemplate. Reading a story the length of Brigands of the Moon, and of such literary merit, complete in one issue, is a thrill to be looked forward to. By all means, put out such a magazine and have stories by Jack Williamson, R. F. Startzel, and Edmund Hamilton, three of your best writers in the first issue. I am glad to see that Startzel is coming back with the next issue. More from him, please, and Hamilton and Williamson should appear more frequently, too. A question, Mr. Cummings. Shades of Poulter and Tuch. Why must you always have a deformed character in your stories? Do they appeal to your dramatic sense? The news that we're going to have a story from Francis Flagg brings raptures of a delight to my homely face. If it's a dimensional story, I'll cheer twice. When it comes to writing that kind of a story, Flagg's the king of them all. For sheer interest and originality, he's got his contemporaries in that field outdistanced, with a distance that can only be counted by light years. A pat on the back for Booth Cody and Sears Langwell, two staunch supporters. All our magazine needs is a story about time crusaders or a planet of mechanical men. Omitting the authors already mentioned, I consider my favorites to be Rousseau, Eschbach, Diffin, Ernst, and Hal K. Wells. The best story you ever published? Who am I to answer? Why not put it up to the readers for popular vote? Jerome Siegel, 10522 Kimberly Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio. Explanation Wanted Dear Editor, This is my first letter to you, but I am a consistent reader of astounding stories and look forward to all of the coming issues. I have in mind a question, a friendly one, not one that I expect to or hope will seem to be trying to dampen any theories. This rocket ship propulsion, as I understand it, there is a void between all planets, etc. If this is the case, how then can a rocket-propelled spaceship go across this void, since the exhaust of the rockets must rely on some material of a sort, or rather some sort of resistance to push the ship along? How does it push on nothing? Of course, near Earth, it has the ground and then the atmosphere to push from. But out in the void? Why not cut off and save fuel, therefore saving an extra heavy load of explosives if rocket ships are really practical in space flying? Yours for a thicker astounding stories. H. M. Krausen, Jr., Sunter, South Carolina. 
better than love stories. Dear Editor, I have started to read the astounding stories and enjoy it very much, although I do not find very many girls writing into the corner. This mag is a thousand times better than all those love story magazines, and besides, these stories are educational. I would rather read astounding stories than eat. They are not too scientific to be boresome, but they are just good enough to be real interesting. I wish you would publish some more stories like The Lake of Light, Dark Moon, etc. I especially like stories of the future and interplanetary novels. Anyone wishing to correspond with me will be welcome, as I love to write letters, and especially to anyone interested in the same things I am. Miss Bernice Goldberg, 147 Crescent Drive, Mason City, Iowa. Kidding the Editor Dear Editor, I have just finished your January 1932 issue of Astounding Stories. It was superb. Imagine my delight and surprise when I purchased the first issue this year. Smooth edges. Good quality of paper. I had a few other articles to purchase, but I forgot all about them when I saw your magazine and rushed home to read it. It had a most admirable cover designed by your best artist, H.W. Wesso. I turned to the contents page. The first story was by my favorite author, Ray Cummings, and called The Space Car to Mars. Hot Dog, my favorite theme, interplanetary travel. All the rest of the authors were my favorites, too. Edmund Hamilton, Captain S.P. Meek, S.P. Wright, A.J. Burks, and a short story by Jack Williamson. I turned to the next page, and lo and behold, what do I see but an editorial? Wonders after wonders. It was called the possibilities of space travel. I was by this time beginning to think that at last the editor had achieved a perfect magazine, and when I turned to the first story, the one by Ray Cummings, I knew it. There was a double-page illustration by Wesso in soft and realistic colors. Think of it, colored illustrations for each story. Well, I was so excited that I could hardly read, but at last I began. Boy, can Ray Cummings write interplanetary stories. E. Como, and how. He wove scientific explanations into the story so skillfully that one learned the scientific facts without knowing it. When he thought that the explanation of some invention would be boresome, he put a little note at the foot of the page. This, I remembered, was an admirable feature of his story, Brigands of the Moon, which you published two years ago. I then turned to the reader's corner, only to discover that its name had been changed to The Observatory. I expect this was taken from the suggestion of P. Leadbeater in the March 1931 issue. I discovered also, to my delight, that at the end of each letter the editor made a few comments. I finished reading the reader's letters, and on the next page I found this lead line. Science Questions and Answers. I read these with enthusiasm. I forgot to mention the raise in the price to 25 cents, but that is immaterial to me now since I have the perfect science fiction magazine. You have surely hitched your wagon, magazine, to a star now. Clay Ferguson, Jr., 510 Park Street, Southwest, Roanoke, Virginia. Sugar Candy Dear Editor, It is very seldom that I write to any page like The Reader's Corner, but I have gotten rather tired of all those knocks. So I am writing to say that I have missed only one of your issues since the 2nd, February, 1930, and have found only one not to my liking and I have forgotten what that is. I have no comment to make on your authors. I don't care who writes it or what his literary reputation is. As long as the story is good, 
and you wouldn't print it if it weren't. As for exact scientific data, away with it. Some may wish to be bored with it, but I prefer action. I like your pictures. They are bizarre, and give one an idea of what the author is trying to convey. And they intrigue the interest before the story is read. I also like the size, because it is not awkward. And I like the edges, because they make the pages easy to turn. Mrs. Margaret M. Finney, 1632 West 3rd, Plainfield, New Jersey. Becoming a Habit Dear Editor, The May Astounding Stories seems to have nothing but complimentary letters in it. Mr. Magnuson probably tore out his hair when he saw all those letters. Not that Astounding Stories fully deserves all that praise. As one reader said, words are inadequate to describe how wonderful your magazine is. However, I do not agree with those who denounce some of the readers for making criticisms and suggestions. No magazine can be absolutely perfect, although Astounding Stories comes pretty near it. Even if it were perfect, the readers would have to keep on making criticisms and suggestions in order to keep it that way. Besides, the reader's corner would become pretty dull and lifeless if you printed nothing but flattering letters. Most of the readers who make unfavorable criticisms really have the welfare of the magazine in mind, else they wouldn't write at all. All of them aren't grouches. For example, a certain person sent one of the science fiction magazines about the most vicious and uncomplimentary letter that magazine had ever received. Yet in this issue of Astounding Stories, he jumps on the knockers for daring to say anything against Astounding Stories. So you see that all knockers are not hopeless. I notice that you have complied with one of my requests, and have published an autobiography of Mr. Wentzler, although there is no picture. Perhaps, as Mr. Wentzler suggests, that is for the best. The readers of Astounding Stories are accustomed to pictures of grotesque and weird-looking inhabitants of other planets, but a picture of Mr. Wentzler may prove to be too much. Or if you do put it in, you might entitle it Wesso's Conception of a Martian. I hope Mr. Wentzler does not take the above paragraph too seriously. Like him, I was hit on the head when I was but a babe, in my case, it was a bronze statue that proved to be my undoing. Unfortunately, they were never able to straighten out the bend in that statue, which was the result of its contact with my dome. As for the stories in the May issue, they were all perfect, every one of them. Having all the stories perfect in each issue is becoming a habit with you. Keep up this habit. For first place, I nominate When the Moon Turned Green. I consider Mr. Wells' previous story, The Gate to Zoran, the best short story you have ever printed, but the latter one surpasses it. You will not be making a mistake if you give us many more stories by this author. I do not need to say anything else about the rest of the stories. They are all excellent. Don't you think that it is about time for Astounding Stories to become a semi-monthly? Michael Forgaris, 157 4th Street, Passaic, New Jersey. Located at Last Dear Editor, I read every science fiction magazine on the market, and can truthfully say that yours is the best of them all. Of course, there is always room for improvement, and some of the stories published in the May issue were not so hot. Meek always gives me a pain in the neck, but Cummings is an ace, though the installment in this issue dragged considerably. In Diffin, you have a master writer, and I was tickled to death to see finally in our mag a story by that peerless team, Shackner and Zagat. 
I was wondering how long it would take you to locate them, as you have done with most of the other stars in science fiction. Bill Miriam, Oceanfront, Venice, California. Stories aid considerably. Dear Editor, I cannot rightfully say what story was the best in Astounding Stories, for the man who balances stories for their values is just kidding himself. That is my theory, and I am ready at all times to stand in back of it. Though I have only been reading Astounding Stories since January, I am a thoroughly convinced fan. For the past two years I have been puttering with chemistry and physics in a laboratory of my own, and the science mentioned in these stories aids considerably. I would sincerely appreciate letters from readers of Astounding Stories. I will answer all. Lawrence Shoemaker, 1020 Sharon Street, Jamesville, Wisconsin. To the rescue, somebody. Dear Editor, you're getting better all the time. The April issue was the best yet, and the May issue is not far behind it. The cover on the May issue was wonderful. Dark Moon is the best story by Diffin that you have yet printed. When the Moon Turned Green and the Death Cloud are both masterpieces. The Exile of Time is a fine story, but I cannot understand the explanations. How could the murder of Major Atwood be mentioned in the records of New York? Why could not one see events in which he participated? Of course, Ray Cummings perhaps knows more about it than I, but I think a lot of his ideas are the bunk. I do not think that your stories should be full of science and nothing else, but they should at least observe known scientific facts. J.J. Johnston, Mowbray, Manitoba, Canada. A two-timer. Dear Editor, I was surprised but pleased to receive the answer to the question I asked in my last letter to you. It is indeed a pleasure to read a magazine that takes enough interest in its patrons to personally answer a letter written to it. Thank you very much. And I am certainly glad that we are to get a sequel to Dark Moon. I wish that I could personally tell Mr. Diffin what I think of his writing, and I am anxiously awaiting the next issue of Our Mag. It certainly does seem a long time between issues. When are you going to start putting it on the stands twice a month? I know that thousands of readers would bless the day you did it. Please keep up the good work, and I know you will, for the longer I read A.S., the more I enjoy it. The serial, The Exile of Time, is a story par excellence. But I know the forthcoming sequel to Dark Moon will be a super story. My idea of reading is that if a story is worth reading once, it is worth reading twice. And I have never seen any story in your book that was not worth reading once. Enough said. I will answer any letters written to me. I hope to hear from plenty of readers. C.G. Davis, 531 South Millard, Chicago, Illinois. And sequel it has. Dear Editor, I have just finished the May number of Astounding Stories and want to send my contribution to the Reader's Corner. The novelette Dark Moon by Diffin is rather an outstanding story in my opinion. It is plausible and convincing and the literary quality is high. I have a feeling that this should have a sequel and wonder if others will not agree with me. That Astounding Stories is the best of the science fiction magazines is something that scarcely lends itself to argument. Without questions, it leads them all. Take the present number, for instance. Diffin, Meek, and Cummings, three top-notchers, all in one issue. A.J. Harris, 1525 Bushnell Avenue, South Pasadena, California. I'm afraid not. Dear Editor, I have read every one of your astounding stories and think there is no other magazine on the market like it. Only one kick. It doesn't appear often enough. I should like to see it every week, every two weeks, anyway. I like every story you print, 
and I think the size of your magazine is perfect. I have saved every issue I read, and now have seventeen of them. Phalanxes of Atlans and Marooned Under the Sea were especially good. The Reader's Corner is fine, but I don't like so many brickbats thrown. I should like to see more bouquets given to you. There is one thing I'd like to see you print. You probably heard of the Fox movie-tone picture Just Imagine, an interplanetary story of 1930. I'd like to see it printed in astounding stories more than anything else. It would make a fine serial. I don't suppose it would be possible for you to print it, though, would it? Ernestine Small, 1151 Brighton Avenue, Portland, Oregon. Better to Verse Dear Editor, Astounding stories can't be beat. It's every issue is a treat. The finest authors of the age appear upon astounding stage. There's Diffin, Cummings, Leinster, Burks. An all-star cast, that's sure the works. Harl Vincent, Wells, and Startzel, too, belong among this famous crew. Ed Hamilton and Vic Rousseau with Captain Meek complete the show. Together, they are sure the best. That's why Astounding leads the rest. Booth Cody, Bronx, New York. Another two-timer. Dear Editor, I have just finished reading the May issue of Astounding Stories for the second time. I have been reading Astounding Stories for over a year, and so far I can find only one thing wrong with it, and that is that it is not thick enough. In other words, you do not put enough stories in it. Some people who write into the corner say that the paper is rotten. I still have all my magazines, and the paper is as good as new. The paper is also good on the eyes, as it does not reflect the light like a mirror, as some paper does. Some people say the pages are uneven and hard to turn. Like Mr. H. N. Snagger, I became so interested in the stories I do not notice such trifles. Anybody who yells about the color of the cover, the durability of the paper, is not interested in astounding stories. Why don't you either print a full-page picture at the beginning of each story, or else keep the half-picture at the beginning and put another picture halfway through the story? William McCalvey, 1244 Beach Street, St. Paul, Minnesota. A Buttercup for Paul. Dear Editor, Congratulations. Astounding Stories has scored again. Not satisfied with illustrations by the mighty Wesso only, you have secured a drawing by the equally mighty Paul. May we see many more by him. Thomas L. Kratzer, 3595 Tullamore Road, Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Nerves now better? Dear Editor, in Gould, you have a fine illustrator. In Wesso, a better one. But as I skip the page on which the story, a truly remarkable one by R. F. Startzel, The Earthman's Burden, is on, my eye is caught by, yes, a drawing by Paul, good old reliable Mr. Paul, the king of science fiction illustrators. Now that you have him on your artist's staff, I wouldn't feel at all bad seeing a painting of his on the cover. The June issue was a dazzler. Manape the Mighty held me spellbound. The others were all excellent stories. The cover painting by Wesso was good, but I have already seen one of that sort in a previous issue. Why not give us more interplanetary illustrations of spaceships and the like, as in Brigands of the Moon? Another thing, it is 9.30. I must be asleep by 11.30 in order to start for school early the next morning. I allow myself two hours in which to read astounding stories. I turn to the content section. I see a story there which I wish to read. It's on page 604. 
I turn the pages, 599, 601, 607, come in rapid succession, all but the page I look for. This goes on for some time until, at last, the roughened edge of 604 comes into view. By then, my nerves are on edge, and I find it is almost 1130. But I cannot say that you do not stand up with the foremost of all magazines. And the way you are improving now, you'll soon forge far in front. Arthur Berkowitz, 763 Beck Street, New York City. Some Goal. Dear Editor, Permit me to congratulate Mr. Diffin on his latest masterpiece, Holocaust. Every once in a while, Mr. Diffin produces a story that bids fair to eclipse all its contemporaries. His former story, The Power and the Glory, could only be placed in that category. Somehow that story has become indelibly written on my memory. The philosophy expressed in it was overwhelming. It would have done justice to a Shakespeare. And now you can imagine how delighted I am to learn that Mr. Diffin has once again graced us with a yarn of the same class. Man, if you continue to publish such stories as these frequently, you'll have the public terming astounding stories, literature of the highest grade. However, I won't entreat Mr. Diffin to write these stories spasmodically, as the long week between tales adds lore to the stories. And now for Mr. Burks. Ah, here is an extraordinary chap. Mr. Burks is your most versatile author. Of his several stories, each has opened up a new vista in the field of science fiction, and he is a thoroughbred in each endeavor. If you want to be convinced, read the opening chapters of The Manope the Mighty and I will wager any sum you won't lay down the story until you've read every word. As a matter of fact, all the stories are good, and the bill for next month appears to be exceptionally unusual. It is very evident that you are on the road to perfection. Smooth-cut edges, the acquisition of the greatest of artists, Paul, all point to the accelerating progress Astounding Stories is achieving. We readers are frequently asked as to how we would run the magazine if we were editors, well, here is my conception of the ideal magazine. Smooth paper, no advertisements whatsoever. The interior illustrations done by an artist with the talent of a Paul and a Wesso combined, and made in watercolors, too. Then I would only have such renowned authors as Burroughs, MacIsaac, and a few others. I suppose that's the eternal dream of the modern editor, but who can say that you, Mr. Bates, won't evolve astounding stories in the same manner? At any rate... There's a goal to aim for. Mortimer Weisinger, 266 Van Cortland Avenue, Bronx, New York. Guilty. Dear Editor, You are hereby summoned to appear in court on attempt of murder. Following are the charges. Stopping my heart from beating when I saw the smooth edges in astounding stories. And making my heart miss five beats when I saw The Earthman's Burden Illustrated by Paul. I now think Astounding Stories has reached its highest peak. Arthur J. Burke's story was a wow. I hope he works on a story as he said he would in the reader's corner if he gets enough requests. And Charles Willard Diffin. Here's a writer for you. I think the first story he has ever wrote was published in Astounding Stories. Don't lose him. His Holocaust is his best, with the probable exception of the power and the glory. I don't think the last mentioned ever got enough praise. I expect to see it reprinted some day in the Golden Book magazine, its distinctly smooth paper style. And, of course, Sewell Peasley Wright's John Hansen stories are top-notchers. And Ray Cummings must be mentioned his story. We all know what to expect when we read one of his stories. I hope you have another serial by him soon. 
I'm sure you'll be deluged with letters because of the even edges and the illustrations by Paul, who should draw at least two in every issue. But I hope you'll print my letter because I never had a letter of mine in print, and I want to get a thrill seeing this published. Anthony Caserta, 4575 Park Avenue, New York, New York. End of chapter 17